please kind of go around the group and introduce yourselves, tell me what you do in the band, and a fun fact about you. Uh, that's a lot of pressure. I'll start. Uh, my name's Mike. I play guitar in the band. I co-founded the band with the other guitar player, Dan. Fun fact about me, I... Oh, jeez, that's tough. I love Nintendo video games. Okay, I'll go second. I'm Dan. I also play guitar and co-founded the band with Mike. Are we doing fun fact? Yeah, fun fact. Oh, fun fact, I'm obsessed with Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm Zach, I play bass, and uh, fun fact about me is I'm obsessed with Godzilla. Yep, I know it's uh, a little immature, but I like it, so. Mark? Uh, I'm Mark, I play the drums, and my favorite food is sushi, I'm obsessed with it. And last but not least, Rachel. Hello. Hi guys, I'm Rachel. I'm the vocalist of the band slash songwriter, H-Person, and a fun fact about me is I'm obsessed with music festivals in the EMP. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so oh. much. My next question for you is what music are you guys currently listening to? Ooh. Um, today, I listened to the brand new All Time Low album, and Dare I say it, it is their best record they've released. Really? Uh, I, Zach seconds that. Uh, I am also listening to that on repeat pretty much all day today and yesterday. Uh, this is Mike speaking. Um, I have really been getting into uh, Ben Gibbard's old back catalog, um, Death Cab for Cutie, the Postal Service. Um, he's been doing these nightly live streams. They've been really like quaint and calming and He's amazing, so yeah, Death Cab and the Postal Service. Um, it's Mark, and I've been listening to The Weeknd's new album recently. I really dig it. Cool. And Rachel. Yeah, um, I've been reminiscing about music festivals, so I've been going through my SoundCloud Live DJ edition. Uh, today I listened to Kaido's 2018 EDC Las Vegas and also 2016 Tommy Trash. Oh, no. Clumsy is my jam. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's too good. Which one's so good? Clumsy. Clumsy. Well, the whole album is amazing, but Clumsy yeah. is awesome. Got to check it out. Yep. Did I ordered their limited edition vinyl today. It was great. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I had that order, and I just I had to buy the CD, too, so I kind of wait. All the, uh, all like, they're, like, taking their time, shipping everything out, because of everything that's going on, so mm-hmm. I had to buy the sale. What is your favorite <laughs> album in your personal collection? That if you <laughs> This is Mike. Mike's got from... so many to pick through. Coming from someone who owns the most vinyl, funny you ask. Um, <laughs> favorite in my collection? Uh, God, I don't know. Everything in Transit by Jack Mannequin, I really enjoy. Um, absolute favorite, though, I'm going to say I Empire by Angels and Airways. Nice. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, okay, sorry. Um, I guess I'll go next to My favorite. Final. Ooh, it's tough. Probably, I got a limited edition Mayday Parade Black Lines record that I drove to Kansas City for because you could only get them at their shows and they only printed 300 of them. So probably that one. Well, mine would be the Sugar High EP by The Wild and Free. <laughs> um, I... Uh, I don't I don't have too much vinyl, um, but of what I do have, I really like um, the uh, Skip School Short Fight CD by Hit the Light because uh, they're one of my favorite bands, and that one's kind of hard to find now. And that's like one of my all-time favorite albums. I think that came out when I was 
don't know, really young, and it's kind of stuck with me all these years. But I always go back to that album when I'm bored. Like, I would say my favorite one in my collection is my signed Boxcar Racer limited edition vinyl by Tom DeLong. Ooh. He doesn't, doesn't even have that one. <laughs> Great. I, I have it. It's just not signed. Actually, us three have it, but not signed. You don't have the, the limited edition one I, I have because I think they only made like 500 copies of it. I think no, we I did. Yeah. I think we special ordered it together. Okay, well, at least it's just time. She's just stuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's take a play. Yeah, I win. She's the only one who has it. I would say as an essay, um, crap. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot what it was called. Based on it. Bring me to life. That yeah. Album. Yeah. Doesn't have an album though. No. No, it's called something else. I just can't remember right now. It's been a long day. My mom had that when I was a kid. When that CD came out, and that CD cover was freaking out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go. Yeah. Now, now you know what album cover scares me. So never mind. <laughs> We're going to go to my next question. How did you guys meet? Um, yeah. Um, Dan. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, so it's Mike talking. Uh, Dan and I, we were in um, another band um, throughout college. And kind of when that band was breaking up, we decided that we wanted to start a new band. And uh, we kind of slowly just started auditioning people. But we got lucky. The first singer, we even, Rachel was the only person we tried out ever. I guess the only person that might have joined the band before that was Dan's sister, but that was shortly lived, and we auditioned Rachel. Um, she fit really well, so we kept her. <laughs> and then we auditioned uh, Mark, his older brother, uh, sent me a text and asked to keep an audition. Um, I initially said no, because I thought he was too young, because he was only like 17 at the time. And then he sent me a clip of him playing, and I totally ate my words, because he was amazing. And uh, he auditioned with Dan and I, just jamming out in my basement. He fit perfectly. So it was just the four of us for about two years. Um, just kind of getting the chemistry right, getting to know each other. Dan and I obviously knew each other the longest, but getting to know Rachel more and getting to know uh, Mark more was a lot of fun. And then once we recorded our record, we realized we wanted a live bass player and or just a, a fifth member to completely round out the band. And um, Dan and myself knew Zach um, through the, the old band years, and um, he auditioned. I don't know if he auditioned. He just started jamming with us, and yeah. it was going so so well for a few months. We just asked him if he wants to officially join the band, and it all kind of naturally um, kind of gelled together. So that's the short version. And then we all held hands and uh, rest the pictures. Yep. Now, now we're buddies. How did you guys pick your respective instruments? And in Rachel's case, how did you know you wanted to sing? Oh, okay, okay. So it was a young age. Um, I think seven was when I wrote my first song. It was called My Weapon is Love. And I actually have a tattoo of that on my wrist um, because of that. But I remember when I first made this song as a young kid, there was just something magical about it, like some sort of energy, something just really fun I really wanted to always do. And then from that moment on, I just always knew that singing and writing music was my passion. I guess I'll go next. Oh, go ahead, Zach. So, uh, I, I was in like seventh grade. I mean, I'd always had like a, I was always a huge fan of music and just like listening to it growing up. Um, like I said, my mom would just buy like two music whatever was big at the time and then just jam them in the house while she was cleaning. Um, and then, uh, so like in seventh grade, I think it really hit me when All American Rejects album Move Along came out. And I was just kind of like taken away by like the fact of like being in a band and like that whole lifestyle. And uh, I started playing bass uh, because I thought Tyson was really cool. And, um, yeah, so I kind of started out on bass and got older, kind of played a little bit of guitar too, and then it's kind of funny that like I went back to the circle and now I'm playing bass again in the band, which is pretty awesome because uh, I can jump around and if uh, I mess up, nobody even knows. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I guess I'll go next. This is Mike here. Um, funny that Zach mentioned All American Rejects. I can remember it like it was yesterday, almost watching MTV back when MTV still played music videos. It was either MTV or VH1, one or the other. They do like a top 20 countdown. And I remember it was all like top 40 or just like a lot of like rap and alternative rock and just stuff that wasn't really my feed. And then Swing Swing by the All American Rejects popped up and they just kind of looked like kids that you would see on the streets or just like normal dudes. And that video like changed everything. And ever since then, I like begged for a guitar and then eventually got one for Christmas and got lessons and the rest is history. Um, I'll go next, Dan. Um, so I guess for me, it all started uh, when I was, oh, shoot, I was like five or six, and my dad took me to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra one year um, for Christmas. And after I saw their show, I was like, yep, that's what I want to do. And then kind of just picked up a guitar probably a year after that and been playing ever since. And then Mark. Um, I was always, like, banging on pots and pans when I was, like, two, three, and four. And in, like, elementary school and stuff, I'd always, like, play on my desk. So I always really, like, gravitated towards drums. And then when I was, like, eight or nine, my parents uh, had me take some drum lessons. And then I just stuck with it ever since. My favorite part about this question is it's kind of like the instrument picks the person, not necessarily like the person picking the instrument. And it's pretty yeah. interesting to see, yeah, that kind of connection you have with what you do. So, That's so true. Yeah, honestly, we all just want to be rock stars, and it just kind of worked out that way. <laughs> um, what is your favorite part of a song that you've written? be a lyric, a guitar riff, a bass line, a drum sequence, anything. Ooh. That's tough. I have mine. <laughs> Go for it. Right, paper. Okay, so it's during the song paper cut. It's towards the end. It's kind of like the breakdown part where we have a lot of melodic uh, stuff going on. And then I'm, all, I'm not saying anything. I'm just kind of like coming to it, but it just sounds so cool together, all the layers in it. I don't know. I'd have to say that one. I always think back to that one. Nice. Cool. I guess what, I I can't say I have a favorite, but uh, going back to our song, Dancing Through the Night, just that little, I I wrote that little melody riff and then the stupid little wah we threw in there. It was just so goofy that I didn't even think we were going to do it when I wrote it, but we kept it, and it's fun, and now it's kind of a uh, a staple in our show, so I'm, I'm happy that song exists, and I'm, I'm going to go with that riff. Nice. I, feel like, I feel like it's different than anything else I usually write. It's just kind of, yeah, it's, it's just really weird. I'd probably say for me is like the bridge part um, to our song Out of Time. I kind of came up with at a rehearsal when we were trying to couple different things out and it turned into this almost like mini guitar battle between me and Mike so that's probably my favorite Dan that's a good answer yeah anyone else um my favorite like drum part would have to be the drum fill and fire I never really like planned it out but like while we were in the studio recording the song I was just messing around and that idea just kind of flowed out and it fit with the song, so we kept it. So that's, that's cool. Um, Zach has only been in the band uh, for about a year now, so I haven't really written anything other than the one song we just recorded uh, in December with Matt Squire, <laughs> which is pretty pretty darn awesome. Can't wait to get that out. Yeah. Um, and... I think just the, just the vibe in the studio we have with that song is often we are all kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. And uh, I think that, um, that chorus in that song is just like a part of um, that just, just hit so hard. And I don't know, I get used to when I listen to it. So. so what is your writing process like? Um, it's kind of different every time. I'd say there's probably two main ways it happens. 
Um, number one, either Rachel will come in with a nice, like, piano ballad of a song, pretty much fully um, written, and it sounds great. And I have the fun job of maybe, if anything, just trimming up a little bit of the fat and then putting a, a little input into it. But, I mean, she brought in, uh, I'd say, a good chunk of the last record we wrote just like that. Like, Smoke and Mirror, she did that, Band-Aid. Um, paper cut, uh, most of fire, like she's a great songwriter, so she does that um, quite a bit. Out of time, she's that with as well. And then the other half will just sit in my basement on my couch and we'll just write for two or three hours um, until something happens. So that's definitely a longer process. It's, it's two of us kind of going back and forth on ideas, um, but that's kind of the other way it happens. And that's how we got songs like Fight Back that aren't released. Uh, our next single, Let It Rain, kind of happened that way. Um, I Don't Want to Feel, our latest single happened that way. And um, the Matt Squire song happened that way as well. And that's a long process, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And someone from someone who never successfully co-wrote with anybody, it's, it's very cool that I'm finally in a band where we get to do that. I kind of just sit down, hash out ideas, um, show them to the rest of the band, like Dan was saying. Um, either thumbs up or thumbs down it, and then uh, we all kind of put in our, our little flavors to it, um, keep critiquing it until we get it to a spot that feels like a, a wild and free song, and then we bring it to our producer in the studio and work on it some more, and then eventually we get a product that we're really proud of. Our, our producer, Kevin Gates, he, uh, he did the whole first record, so any great compliment like that, we have to throw back at our producer, Kevin Gates, who is amazing and made it all sound wonderful and sonically pleasing to the ear. Yeah, it was the composition was just executed very well, especially you can hear everyone's parts in a way where it's kind of it just has a nice balance and it was thank you. very refreshing <laughs> for me. So, thank you. We are glad you think so. We are really talented. (laughs) (laughs) Please, to my next question, can you describe your sound for me in three words? You can do a collective three words, or you can each do three words, whatever you prefer. Oh, oh boy. Um, Chocolate-covered strawberries. Chocolate-covered strawberries. Um, Snap, crackle, pop. (laughs) That's the refreshing, flavorful sound it is. I'm oh, man, I'm struggling. Like, like, pop, rock, rock, fun. Fun. Dance rock fun. <laughs> dance, dance rock fun. Dance rock fun. That, that's my dance, dance rock fun, fun yeah. Dance rock fun. That, that feels um, good. I'm going to say candy-coated. Candy-coated uh, Sugar-coated rock. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sugar Coated Rock. That's a good one. That should be our next album, Sugar Coated Rock. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking news. This question's always fun for me because how I just, if I were to describe a band in three words, it might not be the same words that the band describes themselves as. So it's nice to kind of see the identification of like how the band wants to identify themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we all kind of center around sweet or candy. <laughs> we like candy. We all have plenty of cavities. This band is just one big cavity. Speak for yourself. That sounded wrong. Sorry, I liked candy growing up. There you go. <laughs> What's the scene like where you guys are? The scene? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty strong. You know, the last couple of years I had kind of a weird shift I would say but it's starting to come back stronger than ever and uh, yeah it, it's a lot of I don't know there's not a whole lot of bands that sound like us in the scene it's a lot of like metal or like the like neck beat kind of pop punk if that makes sense but no the scene's awesome there's a lot of great local St. Louis bands and you know for the most part everyone tries to support each other and you know, it, it's a really, I guess, healthy scene is the way to say it. You know, it, it's cool. I think St. Louis is really underrated. Like, a lot of people think it's like, oh, L.A. or 
Neil or for Chicago, but I think like St. Louis has got a really strong music scene, um, kind of similar to like like Ohio and like Columbus and like a whole bunch of bands come from there. I think there's a lot of uh, unknown bands here that could really roll up. So it definitely uh, makes this drive to be as the best you can be with all the competition that's here. Yeah, exactly. What musicians inspire you to be a better musician? Hmm. Ken Buck, hmm. Travis Barker. I have a top five. I've narrowed it down. Top all right, Rachel, awesome. top five, go. Yes, and they're all um, female leads. Um, so, first one, Amy Lee from Evanescence. The only record I had, hence, hence. Um, love her writing style, love the way she sings, how she holds everything out. Like, she has a really strong voice, and that inspired me there. Currently, um, she's from Estonia. She's a, I guess, pop singer from Estonia. Not very well um, heard of here, but I discovered her when I was younger. And the way that she writes her songs are, like, so creative, so I have to love her. And then three, life. Because every time she writes a song, like, I can't believe how melodic it is. And, like, every song is really complex. It's crazy. Um, who else? I was hmm. Lady Gaga, because she's a badass bitch. Um, <laughs> and Halsey, because she has been through a lot of crap in her life, and she really is good with putting her pain into music, channeling it into making, like, a positive, um, reassuring message. So, that's five, right? Yeah. Hi. Um, I don't know. Probably just the guy from, like, the, like, mid-2000s pop punk scene. Like, um, Brooke from Mayday Parade, Alex from All Time Low, Martin from Boys Like Girls. Yeah. My step. Um, I would say uh, Nick Wheeler from Yellow American Radio. Oh, I knew it. I, knew <laughs> I feel it. like I feel like he's always fighting that puts guitars on the radio, and he's just a way underrated guitar player. So Nick Wheeler for sure. Um, Tom DeLong. Um, as a songwriter, I feel like he gets a lot of heat and gets made fun of a lot. But at the end of the day, that dude can write the best song. So, um, Tom DeLong for sure. And then I'm going to go old school and throw, don't judge, Billy Joel in there. Not Billy Joe from Green Day. Because I'm going Billy Joel, the piano man. That guy. <laughs> okay, make fun of him. I guarantee you're all thinking like maybe one or two songs that you sing, you probably know at least 20. Like the dude is a beast. So just as a, an accomplished musician, nice. insane songwriter, I, I gotta go Billy Joel. Nice. Don't hate me. I hate you already. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Mike, you're not getting $10, but you're right. Uh, my favorite drummer is Travis Parker. And then, uh, I really like Trey Cool, uh, Luke Holland, uh, Thomas Langdon, uh, Tony Roaster Jr. Mark Nord. Um, uh, no, I don't really like Mike that much, but I love, uh, the Rev from Avenged Sevenfold. He's amazing. Uh, Brooks Wackerman, those would be like my top top drummers right now. Uh, this is really hard because um, most of the time people don't know who the bass player is anyway. Um, we're all going to know you. Oh, I can't talk to you. I'll know your gift say Nick Thompson. Oh, I was. I was. So I guess I'll go ahead and do that. That's, that's my easy go to. Uh, Nick Thompson, you know, from Hit the Lights, he's uh, a really good songwriter, I think. I feel like he understands, like, melody and is really good with the way he uh, arranges his lyrics and stuff. Um, he doesn't go, like, too metaphorical, and I kind of like that. But, like, he's really good at, like, I guess, like, 
taking me through like a story through his songs and stuff. Um, and then I don't know. I guess the guys in Florida Georgia Line. Yeah. <laughs> Those are they go up and they have good songs. And in fact, me, me and Zach love us some country tunes, some pop country. Yeah, I get down with some pop country for sure. Oh so yeah, a Ford uh, Georgia Line, all that. So we have a question that our PR director Grace came up with, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time. It is a question. <laughs> um, the question is, is what? It's 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 a tough question. Sorry. Um, okay. What is your opinion of releasing an artist's unreleased music after they've passed away? Should it be released or should it not? Yes, it, it should. should be released. Totally. Yeah, it should be released. Wait, why would you even ask us that? That is a <laughs> terrible question. I don't know. Um, <laughs> There's no. a story behind it. I'm kind of like. It. I'm on the fence about it because I feel like, uh, like I mean, I think there's, there's two ways to look at it. If they, if it was finished and they, you know, it, the plans were to release it and they passed away before they were able to, they definitely release it. But if yeah. it's something they might have been working on, like they weren't sure of or they didn't know if they wanted to talk because there are tons of things that we have, like different ideas that like, we've written that we probably no, we don't want to put it out like this, like, or, or we, we don't, we, we change their mind on it and don't want to release it, but it still exists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. I feel like if it's something that they plan to release before they pass is one thing, mm-hmm. um, but if it's something that, like, you know, they, I guess, verbally said or, you know, had made apparent that they didn't want to ever come out, mm-hmm. that, that could be one thing, but, I mean, it really just depends, on, I guess, on whoever's, uh, you know, whoever they're survived by. You know, at the end of the day, if they want um, their their unreleased stuff to be put out, then it's really at the end of the day. But I think uh, I think depending on the circumstances, uh, it should or shouldn't. But I guess that we don't really have to say either way. Okay, so that's the reason we asked this question. Um, question came about because of the Little Pete songs that were released that sound like unfinished bedroom demos. And then recently, Mac Miller's album Circles came out. So we've started to notice that in the industry, it's happening more prominently that after an artist passes away, some of their works are released. One of the things we want to try to bring up is maybe the concept of artist rules or even um, contracts because we know contracts. So it's pretty interesting to kind of see how this goes about. And also, I've had this this question compared to Kurt Cobain's journal. And I've had uh, a band turn around, the lead singer of a band turn around and say, the band can continue without me with my lyrics, just not my voice. So it's pretty interesting to see the extremes of this question because we know, as a fan, you always want to hear more music. But at the end of the day, would the artists have been happy with the release? I think it's it's like something to note, like, it's it's really tragic when like a musician dies, nobody's denying that. But... At the end of the day, the people who own the rights to that music, they they want to make money, and like they're gonna no matter what your feelings are, like they're gonna do it, which is kind of crappy, um, because they, like you know like with Michael Jackson for example, like they put out a bunch of stuff that I don't know, uh, like right after, like I don't know it's probably a year or so after he died, but they like put out all this stuff and it's like obviously it was to take advantage of people who were mourning and wanted that kind of hole to be filled. Um, and, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it was for money. Like, uh, so that's it's kind of a bummer, but, um, you know, if they, if they technically own it, then they're going to do what they want with it. Kind of like what I was saying, like the family, like if they want to put it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do think it should definitely be noted that it's very apparent that they didn't want it for it to be released, and it shouldn't be released. Perfect segue to our next question. Um, if you could change one thing about the music industry as it is today, what would it be and why? That people still buy music. Yeah, because that lets artists create more music. I would say, I think, uh, I wish people went, went to concerts more. Um, a lot of people with, with having such easy access to the internet and YouTube and stuff like that, some people 
we're like, hey, I, I can just look up how they sound live on the internet. Like, I don't need to go to a show. I don't need to purchase a ticket. Or, you know, I, I, I'm only going to go see them from my favorite band. Um, but I wish more people, like, 10, 15 years ago when there wasn't a huge internet presence that, like, people were more like, oh, what are we doing this weekend? Instead of going to see a movie or going out to dinner, like, let's just go to a concert. Like, let's just see what's in town. Let's just go. Yeah. Uh, I think people have kind of, uh, like, become jaded to, like, going to concerts and stuff. Um, and people don't really go unless, like, it's a big event. And I feel like people are more uh, inclined to go just, just to go and just to have a good time. Um, so that's what I would say. People have changed. And it, it helps, uh, you know, keep bands afloat and labels happy and, uh, you want people to discover more bands and music that way. Yeah, Mike, this is Mike talking. I just say, like, money and bands aside, like, streaming's great, but I wish CDs and vinyl were the only ways to consume music. Reason being, like, I remember being, like, a teenager and having to, like, save up money to buy what, you know, like the next Blink record or, you know, that, that all-time low record or Boys Like Girls. Like, I, I bought Boys Like Girls Love Drunk with quarters. Like, you know, and <laughs> with, when you bought that record, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, when you had a physical CD, it was in your car for, like, the summer or, like, an entire it was. And that's, it, all, it was. And that's all you listen to. Like, with streaming, yeah. I will, like, skip yeah. songs or I will, like, oh, I kind of appreciate it or, or whatever. And you're kind of, like, just, like, consistently stay like in a stale way barely satisfied but like when you would buy a cd it would be like a memory like you'd be like all right like love drunk was like this high school girlfriend for that summer and like it means so much to me and like that's why i rebuy it on vinyl because it's like everyone yeah. like, a memory or a part of my life and since streaming became popular like it's just not there anymore it's just not it's so like convenient you know, so I, I just wish, like, as great as streaming is, like, I, I do wish, like, you could only buy CDs or vinyl. Cause I think you just appreciate it more, so I, I miss that. Okay, that's a great. Thanks, man. What is your opinion of streaming services like Spotify? <laughs> I love <What>? it <laughs> as a no, but I love it as a consumer because. I know this just goes against everything Mike just said, but I have literally <laughs> every song at like my fingertips for whenever I want it. But as an artist, I hate it. Exactly. I think I hear again too. I think it's cool too because like I think one of the biggest benefits of it, obviously money is not one, um, but like the fact that people can discover so much easier than maybe back in the day. Um, because, I mean, they can literally just look us up on Spotify just by knowing our name or seeing something on Facebook, and they can literally in five minutes decide whether or not they want to add us to their location and just keep listening to us or move, move on and pick something else, which if they did, that'd be really exciting because I think we're awesome. But, um, yeah, I think that's the best benefit of streaming is just how accessible it is for so many people to discover new music. Boom. Anyone else? Well, we know my face. Spotify's great. Like, obviously, it's what I use 90% of the time because it's so convenient. Like, that's what I've been, obviously, use it every day, but I, I had to change it. I just think CDs were more special. That's what I'm saying. But Spotify is, of course, dope. Mark or Rachel, you want to add anything? I agree with what you guys are saying. I mean, it's really cool. I just wish people bought music more. Or at least we were paid fairly on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. From my experience, um, it's great for exposure and discoverability, but sometimes I feel like the market's kind of now oversaturated. And at the same time, yeah. I have my own bone to pick with Spotify since it's now promoting a single culture instead of an album and EP culture. So it's yeah. pretty interesting yeah. to see. People don't listen to albums all the way through anymore. And it's kind of upsetting. It's so true. Yeah, like, we, we were just talking, like, we, we did a full record, and we were like, hey, let's put this out. And then we were all talking about it, and we were like, 
well, that wouldn't make any sense in today's day and age. So we released everything as single um, and worked out way better than if we would have released it as an album. Because if it would have been an album, people would have listened to it for, you know, a, like a week. And then it's like, oh, well, there's 12 songs. Now we got to go do it again for next week type thing. I think in the next five to ten years, I think that's going to change drastically. I think most bands won't put out full, full-length ten-song albums. I think it will mainly be EPs and singles. Which is a bummer. Um, like before, you'd have to wait every two years for a band to put out, you know, new material. Uh, but I think you know you'll probably get an EP a year, or um, maybe an EP and a couple singles a year, which might be nice. Uh, but it does kind of bum me out, like, not being able to have, like, a full-length 10-song album all the time. But I just feel like that's the, the way the industry is going to start heading because single culture and all that kind of stuff is uh, what, what people do. It just, you know, you get hooked on one song, and then um, you just easily change it so quickly. So I think people start to realize that, like, maybe when they put out an album, not every song gets the attention it deserves. What is the weirdest or funniest question you've ever been asked before in an interview? And then I'm going to ask you to answer that question. Ooh. Um, the weirdest question. Shoot. Well, I'm going to ask one time, what is the weirdest question I've ever been asked? <laughs> <laughs> now you got to know. I don't know. Um, I know, I know, this is one of the buddies I know like after the fact. After, we're going to be like, that one time, dude, what about the in the van with Jonathan? I, I feel like there's a weird question in there. That's what I'm trying to think of, but I can't remember the question. So then, uh, uh, some, you, uh, how about you ask us the weirdest thing you can think of and we'll have to answer it. So we do have a yeah. question that normally follows this one. <laughs> do it. If you can be any item in the kitchen, what would you be and why? Oh. <laughs> hmm. Uh, oven, so I can make pizza rolls anytime I want. I like it. <laughs> I would be... Damn, that, why is it so hard? Don't overthink and do what your heart tells you. Uh-huh. It, it, was it an appliance or any, any kitchen item, item? Any item in the kitchen. I would be a spoon because I like spooning. <laughs> Damn it. Dan would be a uh, cheese grater because he's cheesy. Cheese grater because he's cheesy. Um, hmm. Thank you. It's fine. I don't know why this is so hard. I'm overthinking. Zach, go. Rachel, Rachel would be a mixer. Because I like oven because I turn up the heat. We both Please. can't be ovens. <laughs> yes, we can. Gene, let the record show that Mike picked oven first. I want that noted. <laughs> the wild and breeze kitchen has two ovens. The wild and cooking. What? <laughs> Rachel would be the light bulb under the microwave that's always burnt out. <laughs> I'm gonna be uh, I'm the I'm the ice cube tray. <laughs> Cause you chill. Yeah. <laughs> Mark the pot. I would be an avocado slicer because those things make my day great every day. It's called a knife, Rachel. No, there's an avocado slicer. It's a legit thing. It actually exists. Yes, I'll bring you next day in practice. Why do you need a, a slicer for avocado? It's just soft. Because I almost, I had that bloody accident with my finger. Oh, is and it? I almost, yeah. It's for children. I understand now. Yeah. Did Mark go? No, but I honestly do not have to answer this question. Mark, you, you, would have, be to, you have to pick something. How about you guys get for me? Like, you guys tell me based on. You know what you think of me? Mark, I would be Mark like is a Mark is a whisk. Okay, why? Whisk. Why am I a whisk? Because 
you said it. Things out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're not a man. Thanks. So that question was asked at our freshman orientation. And it's funny. <laughs> yeah, imagine What's first writing? semester, you don't know anybody, and they ask you that question. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, I definitely have to say, if I was in that environment, I would answer the ice tray because that's that's a, that's a good way to establish your dominance and be like, I'm sure. Yeah, dude. So my next question for you is not related to what we were just talking about, but uh, what's your favorite concert oh, you've been to? <laughs> Did you say what's the what's our favorite concert, concert that, that we've you've been, been to? to? Yes. Hmm. Probably the warp at the cruise. Yeah. I'm going to go with the airborne toxic event at the Boom Out Club in Kansas City, Missouri. I was really into one of their records at the time, and it was a super small show, and it was super fun. Um, a close second would be the American Reject at the Blue Note in Columbia, Missouri. They played a lot of their B-sides off the first record, which was amazing. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, okay, I got one. So a few years ago, um, Paramore and Ball Boy went on tour together. I was there. What? I, I was there, too. Dude, it was a great time. I was there, too. I had VIP, uh, like, box seats, and, um, like, I had a perfect view, and I'm kind of a short guy, so, like, it's awesome to have a great view at a concert and just be able to watch everything and enjoy it, and um, so I had box seats, and um, there was a point in the set where Pete Lentz from Fall Boy, like, went in the middle of the, like, crowd, kind of like where the soundboard is, and, like, to where the boxes are, and, um... So, like, he was, like, right next to us and, like, threw a pick at me and it was, like, super cool. And I fanboyed it a bit, so that was pretty cool. Mark or Rachel? I would say Bono uh, Music Festival 2014. It was the first camping festival I've been to, so it was really cool on that, uh, that aspect. But also that festival offers different genres of music, so you're not just getting one thing, so it was really fun. Um, I would say whenever I saw Blink-182 on a test, uh, let's say last year, um, I got to go along with them and then hang out with them for a little bit, so that was, like, the best day I could find. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that, because you got four drums again. So you'll get to know. Do you guys have any pre-show rituals or superstitions? One more time. Uh, pre-show rituals or superstitions? Yes. Um, we do, we right do a band. What's that? Okay. I was going to say, right before we go on stage, Mike always has, like, a inspirational, like, like, we all put our hands in the middle, and then Mike just, like, says something that like, makes you want to cry, and then he feels like, okay, so. And then sometimes I throw up. <laughs> this is true. I think I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like Captain America before we time travel in Indian. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're always like on the verge of tears right before we're going stage because Mike makes us want to cry and says that he loves us. Okay, so my next question is you're hypothetically in the van going on tour. What are three songs that must be in your playlist? Right back at it again by a baby remember. Um, Weightless by All Time Low, and The Great Escape was like, oh. You get that the band answer. That's perfect. You have consensus? You like that for everyone? Nailed yeah. It. Yeah. 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 Nailed it. What about that, uh, Creek Fire song that always plays on my so, phone? I, uh, so there's this song that always comes on in the, in the car or the van, whatever 
Mike has his phone hooked up to. And oh, always the song by Greek Fire, and it's this blaring guitar riff, and the volume is always turned up to max, and it just blasts our ear every single time. The song is called Abandoned Ship, so it's A-B, so it's always first. It's a good song. So when it's like 6.30 in the morning, and the band's tired, and then Moon starts your morning off with the loudest guitar riff of all time, it's very annoying. <laughs> Well, shut up to the Greek fire. Turn that, turn, turn that abandoned ship riff down, man. I'm tired. <laughs> For this hypothetical concert, we're going to build a bill with three bands you would like to be on a bill with. Mike? Uh, three bands I'd like to be on a uh, I'll just be selfish. The All-American Rejects. Um, Blink-182. And the third one, let's throw Paramore on there because they're like. Right. Yeah. Is this consensus or still going? Are we going so, everyone or? I just, I just answered for everybody. We can do Fair everyone. Enough. It's just you. Okay, then I guess I'll go. Um. I will say Mayday Parade, All Time Low, and I'm going to get weird with it and go Ozzy Osbourne. Okay, well then, let's not avenge sevenfold and screw it. I'm going to say that could work. Um, I'm going to say uh, the red one. Uh, Goo Goo Dolls, uh, and Metallica. Um, I'm going to say Blink-182, Avenged Sevenfold, and Motley Crue. Nice. You've all gone, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yep. What is your favorite venue that you've performed in? The Georgia Theater in Athens, Georgia. Uh, I'm going to say, oh, what was that? I know the show wasn't the best, but the other place we played in Georgia was that. Oh, um, freaking Savannah North in Georgia. Yeah, that's what it was. Victory North. Oh, Victory North. Yes, Victory North. Or Delmar Hall in St. Louis. Delmar Hall is great. I really like this place in Georgia because, like, the green room, like, band area. Like, it was nicer than my house. It was, like, decorated by Tier 1, and it was way too fancy stuff, and I felt like a king. Yeah, that's very true. And I got the shower after we played, which was awesome. Yep. Whenever there's a shower, it's, it's a good venue. Unless it's Pops Nightclub. Yeah, too sure. But that's still a good venue, just a gross shower. Oh. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, okay. I think those probably are everyone. Amazing. Okay, favorite state that you've been to? Oh. Denver, Colorado. Hmm. Probably Florida. I'm going to say Florida. I always have a good time in Florida. I want to say California and say L.A. And that's cool. I know. But I'm, I'm, I'm low-key. I'm Midwest. I'm going Florida. You know I mean? Yeah. That's I'm going to say Wyoming. I'm going to say Wyoming. I'm going to say Delaware. I've never actually been to Wyoming. I just feel like that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> Who, who's actually been to Wyoming? Like, what happens in Wyoming? Uh, no idea. I'm going to be lame, too, and say Florida, just because I always have a good time in Florida. Like, I never want to leave. Like, usually, there's a point, like, when you're out of town or like, in a different state, you're like, all right, I'm ready to go home. But, like, Florida, I'm like, I could literally just, like, stay here and drink beer forever. Um... I'd say California because the sushi was like really fresh and the weather was really nice. 
and the food was really good. Dude, I did like Anaheim, but yeah, Florida. We got California, three Florida's, and one Delaware. Oh, Delaware and Colorado. And now my last question for you guys is, what are your goals for 2020? Yeah, take it. We, I, so this is lame. I had our whole 2020 mapped out to, to a T, um, and it all got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was, it was, I mean, we, we had plans to open up for, like, Mayday Parade, Story of the Year. We were going to record an acoustic. Um, EP, make another record. We had shows lined out, and it all just got like turned on its head. And what's terrifying and kind of exciting is we get to start from scratch. So, the first time ever, I feel like this band had a clear direction. It just got like wiped completely. Yeah, dude. It was such a bummer. It's scary. Like we're about to release an album and put together the the biggest shows we've ever done, and it's all gone. Um, I guess the only comfort in that is that every other band in the whole world is in the exact same spot. So we're not yeah. losing any ground. We're just on pause. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and honestly, we just need to re-figure it all out. So I think we're going to rethink our, our model a little bit, trying to rethink how we're going to um, release music, how we're going to write music. So we're, we're very much so um, figuring everything out. Um I say for sure our record fight back will be out this summer. Whether we play a show for it like we want to or not, that's still up in the air. But uh, the record will come out. It will be available for purchase on our website, thewildandfreeband.com. So we're super excited for that. Um, Rachel is still writing music. I'm still writing music. The band is still writing music. So I will say there is talks to start on our second record already. Um, we will most likely look into releasing the first single from the next record uh, that we did with Matt Squire. We talked about that song. Um, we're super proud of it, and I know we're all, all really eager to release that. Um, other than that, we're just going to continue to talk to our fans. Hit us up on Instagram, uh, Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're going to try to put out more videos than ever and just try to um, put out more content than ever since we're all stuck at our homes and just try to meet as many amazing people as possible as long as they're six feet away. I greatly appreciate your plan and your thoughts for what's happening and kind of how to deal with it. I know it's a lot, and I know a lot of fans have been hit super hard by what's been going on. Oh, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good night, everyone. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.